Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Oh, I just realized I'm using the CEB version, and I think that um, on screen might be the NRSV, so it may look and sound a little different. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord in his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so you can stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human entities, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evils in the heavens. Therefore, Pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you've done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, and offer prayers and petitions and the spirit at all times. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So I was so excited about prepping for the sermon. Football season has started, so of course it was only right to include a football illustration for the people. I thought it would be so cool to draw a parallel between the armor of God as outlined in our scripture and the armor or gear that football players wear and how in essence both of them are a form of protection physically or even spiritually. But we have bigger issues to talk about today. This past week was especially troubling for me, and God struck me with a heart of utter conviction in relationship to the disproportionate killings of minorities, specifically black men in our country. As a pastor and as a person with an accommodating spirit, I generally try to keep the peace and not make comments on controversial issues, but my commitment to God is to speak truth unto power and reject all forms of evil, no matter how they may present themselves. So for those of you not following the current events, allow me to shed some light on what's been happening in our country over the past few weeks. At the beginning of this month, just before the NFL kicked off in a new season, Nike stood behind one of the most polarizing figures in football and in America, Colin Kaepernick. The former quarterback has not played a game in the NFL since the 2016 season. That year, he began to kneel during the national anthem as a way to bring awareness to police brutality against African Americans and other racial injustices. 
Dozens of players begin to join Kaepernick. And he has grown into a symbol of dividing lines over race in America. This struck the nerve of many Americans. There are some who wholeheartedly support this movement, and there are some who stand in great opposition. After Nike's big announcement, many became, began to counter protest by burning and defiling the company's products, which in itself is a sign of privilege. But the reason that so many find themselves upset is because this movement has become something reinterpreted as a sign of disrespect for our flag and our military. It has been corrupted into a political weapon used to divide us. And as a result, this movement can't be seen for what it really is, a peaceful way of protesting racial inequalities and injustices. No different than the protests of Martin Luther King Jr. or Rosa Parks or even Clara Looper. But what especially convicted me this week was the recent death of Botham John. Botham, a 26-year-old black male, lost his life while sitting in his own apartment. His neighbor, a Dallas police officer by the name of Amber Geiger, walked into his apartment thinking it was her own and shot and killed Botham with the idea that he was the intruder. John was a successful young black man with great accomplishments, no different than myself. He graduated from college, had a great job, active in his community and in his church, and he had a future ahead of him. He defied the statistics and represented the black community well. It's baffling to me that the news of his death and the news of Nike's support of Kaepernick took place in the same exact week, yet people are still upset with protesters and not this injustice. Granted, it was reported that the officer just finished a 15-hour shift serving and protecting her country or her community, but that's really besides the point. And just to be clear, this is not an anti-police message. We love our officers and appreciate all the hard work that they do day in and day out for us. So without making this a white versus black issue or a blue lives versus black lives issue, we do have to address the racism that played a role in this event. Now, personally, I'm not convinced that the shooting was specifically racially motivated. However, we must acknowledge the racial bias that took place. Racial biases are forms of implicit bias, which refers to the attitudes or stereotypes that affects an individual's understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. Time and time again, we see racial bias play roles in these kind of encounters. And due to racial biases, black families can't barbecue in a park without being harassed. Black women are harassed for leaving their Airbnbs, which they paid for because they didn't wave to their white neighbor. Or they're harassed for taking a nap 
in their university's common center. Due to racial biases, black children are being killed for playing with toy guns in open carried states. Black teens are being murdered for walking through predominantly white neighborhoods. Black men are spending years behind bars for crimes that they did not commit. Black men can't even exist in their own homes without the risk of being killed due to racial biases. And some of you have expressed to me that people of color in your own families have struggled with racism and biases. African Americans, along with other minorities, are terrified. Statistics prove that officers are more than three times more likely to kill black men compared to white men. The truth of the matter is that white people in this country don't necessarily have to worry about the concerns that we as colored, um, as people of color have. And people of color don't exactly experience the same safety and comfort as those in the majority. But keep in mind, as our scripture says today, we are not fighting against human entities or the human being. We are fighting against the evil tricks of the enemy. The suffering and violence created by injustice promises to remain unchanged largely because too many of us do not know who the enemy is. Other of a, others of us don't know how or where to engage the evil. While the rest of us are unwilling to come forward and say enough is enough, identifying and locating and engaging the enemy is the greatest challenge of confronting um, the evil today. So in our passage, Paul identifies evil and its residents and how we must stand against it. We must put on the full armor of God because we contend, again, not against humans, but against principalities and evil powers and heavenly places. And the failure to recognize the powers of evil come not from the invisibility, but from the scales which covers our eyes. One of the most fascinating aspects about Paul, the apostle, was the scales falling from his eyes, allowing him to see. The great lion of God that he was, well-trained in law and prophets, and a zealous defender of faith. Despite all of which Paul could boast about, including his professed love and devotion to God, Paul did not know who the real enemy of God was. The scales on Paul's eyes made him an unknowing outlaw, uh, ally to the real enemy, the Roman colonial rule, the Pharisaic legalism and hierarchical authorities. Much can be say, said about us today. Despite all the knowledge that we have to our disposal, despite all the sufferings we, that confronts us daily, despite our professed commitment and love to God, we are unable to see the real enemy at work. 
The scales that cover our eyes allow us to dismiss the disproportionate killings of unarmed black men. The scales that cover our eyes allow us to look past institutional and organizational racism within our criminal justice system. The scales that cover our eyes hide the fact that while only 12% of the American population is black, 28% of people killed by authorities in a two-year study have been black. The scales that cover our eyes causes us to be angry with protesters instead of reaching out with compassion and understanding. But the, scale, but the worst part of it all is that the scales that cover our eyes allow us to sit back and watch in silence. A crippling enemy of empowerment and justice is silence. Silence is the enemy of authentic change. It reinforces the status quo and masks injustice. Society socializes its citizens to ignore conflict and pretend as if injustices will just get better if given time. Victims have learned to be silent in abusive relationships, in abusive marriages, harassment in the workplace, in all situations, in all circumstances where they are alienated and neglected. Because we tend to punish the whistleblower and penalize those who cry injustice. Often, the person speaking out about the injustice receives blame and anger, not compassion or understanding. The enemy is at work, and evil is present all around us. I don't want you to think that I'm telling you what to think or believe socially or politically. That's not my intentions. But I will say that we, as United Methodists, as a community of faith, as followers of Christ, have a moral obligation to resist evil in whatever forms it may present itself. And if we cannot stand and kneel in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who face the evils of oppression, racism, and bigotry, we must stand up for them with the belt of truth around our waist, justice as our breastplate, and shoes on our feet so that we may spread good news of peace. Above all, we must carry the shield of faith so that we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's holy word. Lead us not into temptation, O God, but deliver us from evil, from the evil of racism and bias, and injustice, and the evil of silence. Amen.